All four gospel writers tell us about this event. But I'd like to read for us from Luke's account because it is unique in a a couple of ways. So join me in Luke chapter 19 as we look at what we've come to call Palm Sunday, verses 28 through actually 42. Jesus has just told a parable about what it means to trust God with everything. And then Luke tells us after he had said this, in verse 28, listen to God's word. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. He'd been down in Jericho, probably about a thousand feet below sea level, one of the lowest places on the face of the earth. Had to come up the Jericho road, a very dangerous road. And when he had come near Bethphage, meaning house of figs, and Bethany, meaning house of olives, where Lazarus lived and had been raised, at the place called the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it, as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, sure enough, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. And no, no other questions were asked. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As Jesus rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road, a way of of welcoming a king. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And Jesus answered, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If these were silent, the stones would cry out. And ultimately they did. As Jesus came near and saw the city, and this part is unique to Luke, he wept over it. He wept over Jerusalem saying if you even you had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God for this amazing gift of his revealed grace may it touch our hearts may it change our lives may it shape us to live the journey to go on the ride that he alone has for us. Let's turn our hearts toward home in prayer. Let's thank him for this. Father, as we come now, we pray for the breath of your Holy Spirit to inspire us with a knowledge of what this event, this scripture, and this day mean for us as your people and as individuals. For you alone know what that is. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations 
of all our hearts. Be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to do something uh, just a few weeks ago, last month, that I've put off for decades. And I've, I've driven by this over and over again. And I realized in doing it, it was something I needed to do long ago, and I need to do again and again. What it was, we went to Lone Pine, where I took this picture. And we drove a place in the Alabama hills called the Movie Road. If some of you have, have perhaps done this. Hundreds of films have been made out there, most of them from my childhood, some of them from before, some of them uh, uh, more recently, Tremors, Iron Man, uh, recent commercials uh, I've seen, and the more you go out there, the more you realize, oh, I know where that is. It, it just slips your mind, you're, you're watching the commercial. But here's the, the key. Most all of the films, over 400 have been made out there. Most all of the films were made about good winning over evil. And, and many times, the reason that happened was because at, toward the end of the movie, when it seemed like all was lost, that cavalry showed up, charging in at just the right time to do in whoever the bad guys happened to be. But this is also a, an amazing place because it's so remote and desolate. Uh, Margo, there's another slide after this one, if you can pop it up. There's a series of arches, and the, where you're seeing the moon through that arch, that opening is probably 40 feet across. And you can walk out, and, and it is amazingly desolate in a very good way, in a way that calls us away from the normal and the routine and into a starkness. And it's just a, just a short ways off the road, but so are many of the stark and silent places we need to go. And... Uh, while I was there, uh, just walking around through this arch where I took that picture, uh, I realized for whatever reason, crazy way preachers' minds work, the difference between two words that people mix up without even realizing it. And those two words are cavalry and calvary. And you'll hear newscasters and people speaking they don't know the difference, and they use them interchangeably as if they are. And, and on some level, they may be. We'll talk about that. But the first word, cavalry, most of all of us know what it is. It's a, a, an army component on horseback. And, and even today, we use cavalry to describe the artillery uh, and tank units, I believe, in, in the military. But often, people, when they are talking about the cavalry, say cavalry which is, in fact, what we all know, a hillside just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. And that's the only reason we know that word. If it were not for that, we would not know the word Calvary, which is translated uh, in Aramaic, Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And, and quite a number of you have, have been there or seen pictures of it. It looks like a skull. Now, I, I'm not trying to make a cute or a technical distinction here, but instead I'm, I'm seeking to show 
that in our erroneous use of language, we have come closer to the truth than we know by using the words cavalry and calvary interchangeably. Now, we've come to embrace the truth of the benediction that says in God's plan, we go nowhere by accident. We've been discovering that and, and, and finding that quite revealing. Now, as the God of the universe in the flesh, and we need to remember that about Jesus, Jesus did not go anywhere by accident. What he chose to do was very purposeful. He descended into the gulch of the Kidron Valley. You tend to think of a valley as being this beautiful, lush kind of place. The Kidron Valley, which is just down the hill from the Mount of Olives, is just a desolate, dry, chalky gulch to this very day. But Jesus descended into that gulch at the base of which is, right at the very base, the Garden of Gethsemane, because he knew that it led not to what it sounded like that day, the coming of a worldly king, but he knew that it led to death. Jesus chose that path down the mountain into that gulch because it led to death? Yes, he was saying something very purposeful. And he did not descend on a horse, which meant would have meant he was coming in triumph on the world's terms. But he came instead on a donkey. That was purposeful also, which signified that he came in peace. And again, as we've been studying in the Believe series, he didn't come in the peace that the world describes as peace, the, what the world gives, but he came as one giving peace that comes from God himself, a peace that was for the creation that he loved, that was lost from him and needed to be redeemed, the creation that he loved more than life itself. And so he was willing not only to ride into that gulch and die, but he was willing to do it because he knew that was the only way true Hosanna, Lord save, could happen. Now, have you ever noticed... In those old movies, like uh, How the West Was Won, which was the cavalry charge was filmed there in the Alabama hills. I get all worked up about this stuff as a kid. Oh my gosh, I've watched that movie a hundred times and it happened right here. Anyway, I digress. Have you ever noticed that the cavalry never comes charging in on a herd of donkeys? <laughs> Yahoo! No, no. John Wayne never rode a donkey, okay? Charlton Heston never rode a donkey when he came as the hero or at all. But this is exactly how Jesus came, on purpose and why. Because that was how our hearts and lives were going to be won back, not on the world's terms, not by the world's power, not with the world's solutions, but with God's solution, shalom peace. Jesus came to bring what we really need by defining what we need and then meeting that need, being the only answer for that need, and showing us not only how to follow him, but most of all, Jesus showed what real triumph was and is, and we're going to celebrate that next week. And it's as we go through this week that we start to have that turned around for us and we start to realize what that is. That it comes through 
the one who rescues us. But to know what it was Jesus brought as the cavalry who rescues us, we have to ourselves be willing to descend into that gulch that leads where to? Calvary. And what happens on Calvary? Jesus dies. What happens when we go to Calvary? We die. And we have to be willing to go. And when we realize the difference in these words and where they lead, we often back away without even realizing it from where Jesus goes because it is knowing that that we go, I don't want that to happen to me. That's not where I want to be. That's not my deliverance. That's not my version of the cavalry rescuing me. That's not rescue. That's not salvation. Which, by the way, the Greek word for salvation and rescue are the same. Sozo. What it, it means is that we're going to have to die. Okay? Just be real honest about it. That's not what the world wants to hear. But we as Christians need to understand that because it's only as we know that that we can proclaim it. And it's in proclaiming it that we turn the world around to recognize what real rescue is. The point of this day Jesus is making very purposefully is that something is going to have to be given up. There is a cost involved. Something we want to hold on to will have to be given away or it will have to be taken from us in order that there will be room for, in us for God to replace in us what really needs to be there in place of what we have been holding on to, thinking that we were trying to save ourselves. And thank you very much, says our old nature, Thank you very much not. I don't want that. I'm not interested in giving up my old life or having it taken away from me. Thank you very much. I will keep what I've got because I know just what is going to make me whole. And so ironically, we choose to go home another way. And guess what? There is no other way. There is no other way. Even those kings who brought Jesus gold and frankincense and myrrh, which were things to embalm him as an infant, went home another way because they went to the real home and not back to the old way. Luke is the only one who records that Jesus stopped on this ride to weep over Jerusalem and to weep over you and me and our world. And that then and today, we do not understand and are unwilling to receive what Jesus brought. There's a church today, to this very day. In fact, uh, about 11, 12 hours ago, people were recreating the Palm Sunday experience and went right by this church. It's on that road, and it's shaped like a teardrop. The top of the church is shaped like a teardrop. To remind those who walk that Jesus weeps over the rejection of the salvation he brings, the rescue he brings, and that to this day, Jesus weeps over those who say, well, that's not how I want it, because he knows that if we want anything other than what he brings, we will not be whole. In Latin, that church is called Dominus Flevit, which simply means Jesus wept. 
Jesus did weep. I could show you that this, this fall, but more importantly is that we come to know what Jesus' tears mean for us now, here, today, and every day. Because it is with these tears that we are led to the salvation, the rescue, from going where we would go on our own to that place of spiritual and eternal death that would be ours apart from what Jesus has for us. As we experience the saline nature of Jesus' tears, they become astringent because they fall upon our broken, sinful lives and they call us to the healing that only he can bring. The reality is that we and the world around us are going to know this rescue one way, and that is for us to get down off our high horse. And we know that expression, don't we? We need to get down off our high horse of triumph on our terms and get on to Jesus' donkey and be willing to ride and go with him. Now, we're living in a time that in my study of history is arguably more dependent upon the material things of our world for its hope than any time I can remember in the short time I've been alive. Particularly in the West, we are more dependent upon that, I can see, than any other time. And, and here's the crazy thing. The rest of the world has been following our lead, and people are more angry and discontent, have you noticed? As a whole, than any time, because they are frustrated that they can't get more of what they want and they can't get their way. Why? Because they see that as Hosanna. Lord, save. Lord, just give me this and everything will be all right. And when they don't get it, what happens? They get angry. When they get angry, they start to hurt people. And all the while, all, as this is all happening to us, through us, Jesus is riding right into our midst as the cavalry from Calvary, leading to Calvary, and weeping as he comes because of the clamor for a king that is of this world when he is all that this world and any of us in it need. Let me give you an example of this. Dr. Dale Bruner is an amazing New Testament scholar. He's an acquaintance of mine, and by his own admission, he's kind of an intellectual geek just puts it right that way. He says, I, I just sit in the library and I read books. I get way too disconnected from the actual context of the world around me. And so what he, he said, you know what? I just need to know more about the world around me. So he went and rented a whole bunch of movies. Now, Dale's kind of out of touch, so he got movies that were like 30 and 40 years old. All Westerns. And what he discovered was that the writers and screen uh, play writers all understood the Bible without realizing it, because the hero or the cavalry always comes out of nowhere when it is least expected and from the last possible place. And in fact, the hero is often a stranger, remember? Okay. Jesus is a stranger to our world and even to our hearts too often. And he rides into our midst in a way we never expected and we could miss him because we will think that the hero is going to come from Washington, D.C. <laughs> We're from the government. We're here to help. <laughs> or at least we would think, well, the hero is going to go to Washington, D.C. And then, 
everything's going to be okay. We think, in other words, the hero will come in the form of money or power or social or political standing or acceptance by the world or by nothing going wrong in our hearts that are never broken or by some magic that changes the past and promises a future in which our bubble never bursts, nothing ever gets in there. And we don't have to read the paper or even watch TV to know this is true because we don't have to look anywhere but in our own hearts to know the reality of expecting the cavalry from anywhere but from the cross. Right? And yet it is to Calvary that Jesus leads us as he rides that donkey that he very purposely chose. He knew that Zechariah had said it would be this way. And he knew who he was, and he knew whose he was. He knew where he was going and why he was doing. He knew that as the one who was fully God and fully human, only as he rode to Calvary, could he be what we needed. Only as he gave himself up would we know the depth of our need and have it met once and for all. And it was by going and being willing to die that he said, this is what really needs to happen to you. What Jesus did on that Palm Sunday that people commemorated even this morning in Jerusalem was so misunderstood then as it is now. That is why there are empty places as we sit here. That is why people we know so well and love, people who are good, we say, are people who are too busy to really get to know who Jesus is. Because we as humans think that what Jesus did is not what we need to do. There's the problem. But the good news is that because of what Jesus did do, even though it was painful and costly, we have the answer. We have the hope. We have exactly what we do need. Jesus died. Come to Good Friday and remember that. Jesus gave himself up to show us how to die to the life that needs to be let go of. Come on Thursday night. Discover this. Because the good news is that Jesus did this, and because he did this, we can be alive forever. If he did not do this, we would die not only physically, but we would die spiritually forever. Jesus rode as the cavalry to Calvary so that you and I can be rescued and taken to a place now and forever that nothing in this life can touch. And if Jesus had not done what he did on this day and in this week to come, we could never know this, but praise God, he did it. And praise God, we can know it. So, are you ready for the last scene? Are you ready for the cavalry charge? You know, we all get worked up for that. Okay, but remember, this is not Hollywood. In his last and arguably his best films, guess what happens to John Wayne? He dies right here. On Mountain Street, last, yeah, yeah, the shootest. It looks like the bad guy wins, right? But Jesus is not John Wayne. 
And life is not like in the movies. It's bigger. And it's better. And it's wilder than any movie because what God calls us beyond is beyond our definition of happily ever after. God pulls off the covers. God rewrites the script. God changes the situation to show what real salvation is. Jesus goes to Calvary to rescue us. He dies to rescue us. He dies and he calls us to come with him. He calls us to let go of this life and everything in it, past, present, and future, in order to know what our real hope is. And here's where it gets very practical and tangible. Jesus calls us to look at whatever outcome we think we have to have, whatever life story we are holding on to, and to completely surrender that to him every single day. He says with his ride, he says as he comes down into that gulch, into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He says, give me your fear. Give me your anger. Give me your disappointment, your compulsions, your rage, your past, your dreams, your checkbook, your credit cards, your diseases, your sorrow, your grief, your, I could keep going. But Jesus says, I know what you need to give up. And then he asks the question, do you? Do you know what you need to give up? Do you know what you need to surrender? I'm here for that, he says. Do you know you only need me and only need to go on this ride with me? Ravi Zacharias describes what this looks like when he says, faith is confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and his power so that even when his power does not serve our end, our confidence in him remains because of who he is. And that's what Palm Sunday is about. Our realizing who Jesus is and having him redefine what it means to be rescued. Okay, there's one, one last movie. Jesus is the director and the producer. And he wants to cast you and me in it. He wants us to be the ones people come up to and ask if there is a part in the movie for them. And we get to be the ones who say, oh yes there is. There very definitely is. The movie is called The Greatest Story Ever Told and it's not the one made in 1965. But the one Jesus wants to make with our lives turned over to him. So let me ask you, do you want to be in the movies? Do you? Do you want to be in this movie? Come on, we do. Do you want to know this story as your story? Do you know you need to surrender and that I need to surrender so that Jesus can rescue us all? See, it's only as we know that that it can happen. I hope we do. I hope we know this and I pray that today and this week and next Sunday and every day for the rest of our lives, we let ourselves ride with Jesus as he shows us how real his love is and how complete and perfect it is. May we do this and may people come up to us and say, 
May I come to Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you surprise us at every turn. So much so that we think we know what the outcome is and we, we turn off rather than going with you all the way to the end. Teach us through your Holy Spirit to let you direct the whole story, our story, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, dear Father. Amen. Let's stand up and let's join with the early words that remind us of what the story is. As we say together, the Apostles' Creed, let's say it. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. May our profession of faith lead us to Calvary as we sing that hymn.
Now, we're going into a really significant week. And there are going to be times, not just in this week, but in all the days of our lives, when it's going to feel like we've been placed on a donkey when we want to be on the back of a horse. So as we go out of here, listening very carefully to this word of our Lord, remember, we go nowhere by accident. If we are on the back of something in a situation we don't think is right, remember, where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it. And go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.